Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We will conclude our first Peter message or series, but uh, the Lord gave me no peace about turning away from this passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes 5. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the manner, or like some of you will see in the margins of your Bible or the will, marvel not at the manner, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth and there be higher than they. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for divine assistance this morning as I open up my word. And Lord, every time I do, I'm so very humbled. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the truth in this verse. I pray that, Lord, we would find comfort in it. But I pray as well, Father, that thy children would be awakened, that we'd be able to see. The preacher said, if thou seest. Lord, I pray that, God, you'd help us to see something this morning in order for us to not be marveled by it and then to look up to you who regardeth all these things. For there be higher than they. Father, I pray that, God, you'd be honored and glorified this morning. I pray that you'd stir in our hearts. Lord, in this darkened world in which we live, which seems to grow darker with each day, we need the light of thy word. And I pray that, Father, you'd enlighten our hearts and our minds this morning. Thank you already for the beautiful communion, the fellowship of the saints that's felt in in our midst. We thank you, Lord, for thy word, for we thank you for the psalms we sung out, how blessed it was to sing the word of God, and how our hearts were warmed by thy truths. We pray that, Father, you'd be honored and glorified now in all that's said and done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you spend time looking at this eighth verse of chapter five of Ecclesiastes, you might get the impression that it's out of place or even out of context if you consider the surrounding verses it's almost as though while the preacher was pinning down this fifth chapter that the Holy Spirit of God would inspire Solomon to insert this divine truth in the most unexpected and extraordinary place and I'll give you time to explore that later on at home but if you'll read the Surrounding verses, it's almost out of place. It's almost like as he's pinning down these truths in chapter 5, the Holy Spirit just inspired him to insert this truth right here in a very most unexpected place. An extraordinary place. And where else would we find such a verse, if you truly think about it again, than in the book of Ecclesiastes where he speaks of the vanity of everything in the world without God. Hidden riches in secret places. 
I love the word of God. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 45 says, I will give thee, speaks in place of the Lord, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which shall call thee by thy name and the God of Israel, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. And it's almost like this eighth verse is in a secret place. This is why we encourage people, Christians, to always read your, the Word of God, the entire Word of God. Not just spend the time in a portion of the Word of God, but read, meditate, and study the entire Word of God because there are gems of great price hidden, secrets hidden within the Word of God that in the time appointed by God, God brings it up to surface, brings it up to light. This is the amazing thing about the Word of God. And this is what inspires a child of God to read it, to love it, to cherish it, because he never knows what gem he'll find. But he searches out the matter. The darkness of which the prophet Isaiah speaks is not referring to evil. And he says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. But the darkness he's referring to is ignorance or absence of light. I will give you light. In such darkness, God promises to give his people his treasures of light. My word is a lamp under my feet, and a light under my path. Beloved, this is the compass whereby we travel through this barren world of sin and darkness. It's the light under our path. And God gives us light in darkness. In the darkness of this world, the light of God's word shines in our hearts, within our hearts, and gives us understanding. That's what's lacking amongst many Christians today. They're looking every place except the right place. Which is the word of God. The entrance of thy word, the psalm said. The entrance. The emphasis on entrance. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And I like that word simple. Why? Because that word simple means the weak in, in intellect. And I qualify for that. It speaks of the not wise. One old preacher said the dunce. <laughs> Though you're a dunce, God can enlighten your understanding in your mind. This is the simplicity of God's word and yet the supremacy of it. If it comes from an almighty, infinite God, it can speak to the most ignorant of all mankind. Christ has come and give us an understanding that we might know him who is the true God. We don't need to have the knowledge of the world and the wisdom of the world. We need simply the light of God's word. And it needs to enter into our hearts, our minds. Beloved, such is the power and grace of God's word. When it enters the heart and mind, it enlightens the most ignorant and unlearned. Giving them an understanding not of worldly things, but of heavenly things. <clears throat> and this one verse is a divine light and understanding in the greatest times of darkness. And it's placed in a most unusual place in God's word. Almost out of context. And I love it. 
if thou seest the oppression of the poor, <clears throat> stay with me, and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter or at the will or purpose of God in it. Marvel not. Don't be, don't think it strange. Don't be amazed, astonished by it. For he that is higher than the highest regarded. And they'd be higher than he. I want you to notice, first of all, that the preacher in these words, led by the Holy Spirit, wants us to see something. If thou seest. It's a question mark. It's almost as though we quickly read over that and get down to, for he that is higher than the highest. We're always wanting the comfort before understanding why we need the comfort. If thou seest, he's saying, if you do see this, then marvel not. But it's not unusual to see among sinful men such oppression of the poor and the perversion of judgment and justice. That's not unusual. Because since the entrance of sin in the world by Adam, such things have been seen throughout every generation. Every generation has seen that. Oppression of the poor and perversion of judgment and justice. It's something common among sinful men. So it's not unusual to see those things. Yet the preacher in our text is referring to those times which such oppressions of the poor and perversion of judgment and justice shall be exceeding great and unrestrained. He's not speaking of a general time, but when these times are exceeding great, and unrestrained. Do you see it? Of course it's always been there. We look back through church history. We can see times when these things were exceeding great. The preacher would have us to see these things. When they are exceeding great. And unrestrained. When the world perverts judgment and justice. And oppresses the poor. And it's overwhelming. Beloved, such a time is breaking upon the world today. Unlike any before us. On every continent and around the world. There is now a united front. In oppressing the poor. And perverting the judgment and justice of God. Sure, in the past, in the history, we've seen pockets of it. We've seen certain portions of the of a country or a land that would have this. But today we're seeing a worldwide perversion of judgment and justice. We're seeing a worldwide oppression of the poor. The world is on a united front. And we need to see that. Before we can understand and be comforted by he that is higher than the highest, we have to see something. I believe a lot of Christians, a lot of churches are blind to this. They've kind of stuck their head in the sand and they're wanting to ignore it, thinking if they ignore it, it'll go away. Or thinking that they live on a different plane, then it'll simply go away. It's not going to go away. We need to see it. The psalmist says we need to see it if thou seest. The prophet Isaiah said it as well in Chapter 59, he said, judgment is turned away backward. 
Boy, that fit this day and age in which we live in. And justice, here's judgment, and justice standeth afar off where truth is fallen in the street. That means it's being trampled on. And equity, you know what that means? Let me give you a definition of it. Equity is fairness or justice in the way people are treated. That's what equity is. Fairness or justice in the way people are treated and equity cannot enter. Say, preacher, that was written thousands of years ago. Ah, God's word transcends time and cultures. Don't you love the word of God? As a Christian, you gotta love it. They seek to destroy the sacred institution of marriage between a man and a woman. They ignore the sanctity of life by their abortions. They seek to destroy the identity of male and female. Gender is no longer a term. Judgment and justice and equity cannot enter in. They remove God's law from society, from government, from our schools. Anything that has anything to do with God today in this worldwide effort of perverting judgment, they seek to destroy and reject. The things I'm saying here, the things I'm identifying here, most Christians understand that. But for some reason, they seem to want to ignore it. They corrupt our children. They want to destroy the structure of the family. They wish to deny our freedom to worship God and to preach the whole counsel of God. You can preach, but we'll tell you what you can preach and what you cannot preach. Satan's effort to close the doors last year is because of this proposed pandemic was just the beginning. It was just a taster. It was just a start. It's coming. They despise our Sabbath days. They deny our liberties and freedoms as Christians and as human beings. No, this is the world in which we live in today, and it's getting worse. And there's probably other things you can identify, but this is what they're doing. They're perverting judgment, justice, and they're oppressing the poor. And equity, fairness, or justice in the way people are treated, they can't enter in. That's what's happening. Do we see that how should it affect us look at psalm 119 let's let the word of god light our path here psalm 119 both these verses are found in psalm 119 look at verse 53 here's the psalmist here well it shouldn't matter to us we're in our church and the world's on in their world and we'll just preach until the lord comes back and save as many as we can and that runs chills up my spine to hear Christians say, we're just going to preach the gospel as many as we can. Get as many as we can saved, and then hopefully the Lord will return and it'll be taken out. And what the world does is none of our problem. We're just going to stay in our own little world, do our own little thing. That's terrible. Look at Psalm 119.53. Horror hath taken hold upon me. 
Whore. Why? Because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Wait a minute, preacher. The wicked, they're not saved. They're not God's people. Why should it horrify the psalmist? Because it's God's law that they forsake it. Are you hearing the psalmist? Because God's law is forsaken. Christian or not, the world is still obligated to obey the laws of God, whether they want to or not. He's still God. Lubert, verse 126. We read this before. He said, It is time for thee, Lord, to work. Why? For they have made void thy law. They've made void thy law. It's time for thee to work. Beloved, we live in a world, like the preacher explains here, that is oppressing the poor and, and violently, violently perverting judgment. Violently perverting judgment and justice. Do we, do we see it? And as much as people would might like to disagree with me, this supposedly pandemic has only united the whole world in oppressing the poor and perverting judgment and justice. There's a there's a bigger scheme here than what most Christians are realizing, and they don't see it. This, the preacher says, "If thou seest." So many churches and Christians today are remaining sinfully silent regarding the oppression of the poor and the perverting of judgment and justice. Almost as though they lived on a different planet. On a different plane. They have their, and don't misunderstand this criticism because I mean it, it's fairly justly as I can, they have their fancy sing-along conferences and their seminars and they gather together and sing their kumbayas and the whole time they're ignoring the simple oppressions and perversions going on around them as though it has nothing to do with them. The preacher said, do you see it? Do you see it? It's almost the language of Peter, isn't it? He wants them, in Peter, remember, he wants them, the believers, to know, hey, that you're suffering, you need to compare it with the condemnation of the lost. You need to you need to compare that. You need to see that. If you do see that, he said, therefore, submit your souls. If you're suffering according to the will of God, submit your souls unto him in well-being. A lot of churches and Christians today are hiding away behind the safety and sanctity of their church walls on Sunday as they silently live their Christian life Monday through Saturday. It, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean or cruel or do anybody any injustice, but it's true. Most Christians, most churches stick their head in the sand. I don't think that's what the preacher's saying here. If thou seest. 
we've spoke this a few times in our programs on Saturdays, but John the Baptist saw it. He declared, he declared to a heathen Herod, it's not lawful for you to have thy brother's wife. Well, John, it's really none of the church's business what Herod does. John said, no, it's very much the church's business what Herod does. I'm holding him accountable to the law of God. You can't have her. Oh, Herod just hardly accepted that and took his advice, didn't he? You know, the amazing thing is, Scripture says that Herod heard him gladly, didn't he? He liked to hear him. But oh, his wife hated him and wanted his head on the platter. Do you see it? We've looked at this verse before. The Lord said in John 7, 7, The world cannot hate you, but it, but me it hateth. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Why? Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Listen to it. They hate me. Not because I've come to save them and die on the cross for them and be their sacrifice. They hate me because I testify up that their works are evil. They hate me. Can we get that across our mind? They hate him. The world hates Christ. Do you know for the wicked, Christ is a threat? The gospel is a threat to the wicked? Paul said the gospel of Christ is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Yet to those who disobey it, remember Peter? Those that disobey it, the gospel arouses the greatest hatred and animosity towards Christ. Paul said it's a savior of life unto some, the savior of death unto others. Why? Because the gospel will either be used by God's sovereignty to call his own unto himself, or the gospel will condemn you, which rouses the greatest hatred and animosity of sinful man. Man then now hates God. So every time you go out to preach the gospel, I mean, years ago as a Christian, I thought everybody would embrace the gospel. It's the good news. I mean, everybody's going to love it. Well, the world's gospel, maybe, the way many churches present it. But if we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, biblical gospel of Jesus Christ, it will either call God's elect unto himself or it will condemn them in such a fashion that they will hate God. Do we realize that when we tell others about Christ? I don't think we do sometimes. And this hatred makes Christ, his word, and his people the greatest threat to sinful man. Why do you think they're trying to abolish everything in society, in life, in family, trying to abolish everything that has to do with God? Do away with his laws, his commandments. Do away from prayers and scripture in schools. Do away with it in our, in, our, in our government. Why do you think they're trying to do away with anything and everything that has to do with God? Critical race theory, woke. They're all anti-Christian and anti-God. Do we see it? 
Do we see it? If the world hates you, John 15, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Do we know that? If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Do we see it? In the light of all that, look at Matthew chapter 24. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 8. Now he talks about, you know, wars, rumors of wars, nation against nations. We all know that. But look at the beginning of verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, all those things have already, in many ways, happened. Moreover, many times. All these things are beginning of sorrows. Then, now watch this in light of what I've just declared unto you. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Shall kill you. And he shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Of all nations. The world on the United Front. Hated for all, uh, for, uh, of all nations for my sake. Now watch it. And then shall many be offended. And many shall betray one another and shall hate one another. You're seeing this offended, betrayed, and hate. You see it growing. And a lot has to do with this supposedly pandemic. Oh, people are getting offended. People are betraying. People are hating one another more and more. And many false prophets shall arise, shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, them shall be saved. I like how our brother continues to remind us when he prays, beseeching the Lord to help us to endure unto the end. It's biblical, and I enjoy it. That's what our Lord said here, endure unto the end. If thou seest, the church, God's people, needs to wake up and see it. Preacher, where's the comfort in that? Well, because of this, and I don't have time to get into it today because we had to see something before we can realize something bigger and better. Ecclesiastes 5, 8, if thou, if, the, if thou seest the oppression of the poor and by the perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter or at the will or at the purpose of God. In other words, that's what he says. Don't marvel. Don't be. Don't think it's strange because of God's divine purpose and will for this. You say, how about how can God have a divine purpose and will for? He has a divine purpose and will for everything, and believe me, He has a purpose for the oppression of the poor and the perverting of judgment. Marvel not at the matter. I don't have time to get into that today. I want to get into it more and, and show you some examples in the in the Bible of, of 
God's people who marveled at God's dark providence, as Flavel called it, not understanding why. Sometimes, like we mentioned yesterday in Permian, sometimes we don't understand God's providence. Sometimes it looks like it contradicts his promises. Sometimes it looks different, but it never does. How can God have a purpose in all this? He has a purpose in all this. That's the key to our comfort. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth. That's the key to it. I'm getting ahead of myself and I'll look at this next week. But the preacher doesn't give a solution to the problem of oppression. And he just says, you need to believe and have faith in the simple fact that God knows. God regardeth. That word regard is so special too. I looked it up even more yesterday. It's to care for. It's to watch over carefully. It's to protect. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm caring for you. I'm guarding over you. I'll take care of you. For he that is higher than the highest regarded, it's protective interest, it's care. He's always observing, that's what that means. My brother said it so well yesterday, uh, indirectly, as a father watching over his children. Our God regards such matters and takes a special interest in caring and protecting his own in such times of oppression and perversion of judgment. God says, I'll take care of you. Don't marvel at my will in this. Don't marvel at my purpose of this because I regard it. I will take care of you. I will watch over you. I will protect you. The preacher offers no immediate solution for such oppression and preserve perversion of judgment and justice. Only a humble and submissive trust and faith in God's sovereign regarding such things. That's all I ask for. When the Lord led me to this text and I began studying this passage of scripture, I really thought that I could get through the whole thing on one Sunday, but there was just so much in, in the scene part that I just believe Christians and churches are hiding themselves. They're sticking their head in their sands and they're not seeing these things. They're not, they're not aware of these things. So they're ignoring these things. And as God's people, we cannot, we must not. What must we do? We must preach the truth, preach the gospel in season and out of season. We usually refer that simply to hard-hearted Christians. No, you're preaching the gospel. Preach the word of God in season and out of season in regards to anybody and anywhere, even the world. I send you a sheep amongst wolves. You're the light of the world. Well, we know what darkness thinks about light in John chapter 1, right? Men refuse light because they love darkness. So what is our light going to do? It's not only going to illuminate, but it's going to convict. It's going to testify to their that their works are evil. So we have to see these things. You don't take a light and hide it under a table. We don't run off into some island somewhere and become monks. That's not God's purpose for his church. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. As thou sent me, so send I them. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil. So we will see these things the more we go out into the world and preach the gospel. But we've got to have a source of divine comfort and assurance and security that in spite of all these oppressions of the poor and the violent perverting of justice and judgment, there is a God in heaven that regardeth, 
that watches over us, that cares for us, that will protect us, that will guide us and direct us. Amen. For there be higher than they. Next week I want to possibly look at the latter part of this because some of God's people have marveled and I think we can learn from what they marveled at. I think we can learn from that and that we can take comfort in the latter part of the preacher's text here. But we needed to see clearly something before we could look at he that is higher than the highest. Marvel not. Beloved, regardless of how wicked, how vile, how perverted this world becomes, and it will get worse, marvel not at the matter. In a way, it's it's good because I, I want to give you a week's time to pray over that latter part of Ecclesiastes 5.8 yourself and study it on your own, meditate on our own so that we might come back to it and and look at it because I, it, there's, there's great comfort here by the preacher saying marvel not at the matter, marvel not at it. And and sometimes we do, do we not? We, we look at God's providence, we, we, we marvel how can God allow this to happen. And, and the world does. The world, of course, they don't understand God, but the world says, if you have a God, why does he allow this to Why does he allow this pandemic and so many people to die? How come he allows all this to happen and this and that, whatever? People marvel at our belief in God. And in the beginning, really, Satan is using it. You know, you know, Satan renders sinful man insane. Do you know that? Insanity is the best way to describe sinful man today. They're insane. And the scoffers and the mockers and the persecutions are going to rise. We have to find comfort in the fact that we see these things, yet we do not marvel at them because there is he that is highest. He that is highest regarded. And in that we find comfort. Amen. May God give us grace to study this and look at this and ponder this. See it. I know most of us do, but see it. And tomorrow, next week we'll learn how we not marvel at it and how we humbly, submissively have faith and trust in God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. And Father, I, I know, Father, Lord, in many ways, what we spoke on today is very uncomfortable for many. Lord, we're prone in our nature to run away from things that are difficult and trying. We're tempted to withdraw ourselves because of things that are not comfortable or things that are hard and difficult. Father, I pray that we as your children would look at these things, that we would truly see these things. And Lord, as we see these things, may our love for thy word and for thee grow greater. Lord, the psalmist said, horror has taken hold of him because the wicked has forsaken thy law. Father, I pray that, Lord, you plant in us and graft in us such a love for thy word that, Father, as we go out and preach the gospel, that we would be moved with compassion on those that are without Christ, 
Yet we have such a holy zeal for the honor and glory of God that you give us the courage to boldly stand up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of the darkest perversion of judgment and justice. Father, we love you and thank you for all things. Grant us, we pray, spiritual strength. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.